This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Joining me to talk about all of the things in pop. But before I do, let me read Let me read a little bit from Shine Bright. She writes, my love of music is intense. My commitment to it is steadfast. This project is an attempt to figure out why. When I talk about black women in music at colleges, on my black girl songbook show, to my husband, my friends, it's normal for me to weep. My voice breaks. I'm looking up because my eyes are brimming. Someone hands me a tissue. It's dramatic, but it's real. There are no reasons. Well, we're going to get into some of that with the author of Shine Bright, a very personal history of black women in pop. Let me welcome the great Danielle Smith. Hi. Oh, man. What's going on, Karen Hunter? Hey. Hey, hey. Happy, happy publication day. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I couldn't be spinning it with anybody better or more appropriate. Hello? Come on now. Come on through. <laughs> Listen, um, I remember you in Wendy Washington's office before, you know, after after vibe and all. I mean, people don't know you. Um, If you're talking about music and writing, first of all, you're one of the, co- the baddest writers out there. Uh-huh. For real, for real. Like this woman can straight up write that just one paragraph, everything. But music, before we get into the book, you're, tell, me, tell me about this love affair. How did it start? My love affair with music? Yeah. My goodness, the man. The first listen. song, the first song. Oh, my, the first song that I ever really fell in love with was the Jackson 5 ABC. When I'm like seven years old, eight years old. I mean, how do you not fall in love with that, right? Uh, it's like a nursery rhyme. A, B, C, as easy as one, two, three, as simple as do, re, mi. It's like, come on. You're singing that. You're singing that as a kid. And it's like, you know what you're talking about. You know, that's your music. So I was in love from that moment forward. When did you discover the transformative um power of music you know we were i was talking yesterday about the the verses with mary mary and um bb and cc on easter sunday and stevie wonder comes in who i know is one of the greatest performers but like there's something very spiritual i remember being a kid my parents had the uh, amazing music collection which included everything from richard Pryor to nina simone and i remember when songs in the key of life that that cover with the that that orange and brown and, and the yellow yes. and that's you know it's just i remember, you remember being, the li- you remember the lyric book that was inside too with all the lyrics to all the songs everything songs i life. mean yes. it was it was a love letter literally mm-hmm. the whole thing and you know earth wind and fire the, the commodore like i just remember this this music what was your household like? What was what were the albums that were on rotation Saturday morning? I would say, I mean, it sounded like right now it's very similar to what your house was like. We definitely had songs in the key of life. I love that album so much. Our dog's name is Key K E Y after <laughs> after songs in the key of life. That's how serious we. That's how seriously we take Stevie Wonder over here. But we also listened to a lot of uh, Barbara Streisand. We had Richard Pryor. We had the Supremes, Teddy Pendergrass, definitely a whole lot of Natalie Cole. My grandmother was very into Nancy uh, Wilson. We listened to a lot of Etta James, uh, Tina Marie, Michael Franks. Like I could go on and on and on with it. It was a musical household. Okay. So then when you became a journalist, what, you know, was it happen chance that you leaned into this? 
I mean, to be honest, when I got into journalism, I wasn't even writing about music. I was just happy to be writing. Uh, the paper that I worked for in San Francisco, they would send me to stuff like, oh, the olive oil convention is coming to town. Can you go cover that? And listen, I was happy. I put on my big girl boots and went right over there and covered it like a champ, right? <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, at that time in Oakland, I'm from the Bay Area, born and raised in the great city of Oakland, California. And I really was like, there is a music scene going on here that it seems like people aren't really covering enough. We had Tony, Tony, Tony. We had In Vogue. We had MC Hammer. We had Too Short. We had Digital Underground with Tupac Shakur. We had dozens and dozens of other great groups that didn't even get to be as famous as they could be. We had Paris. We had The Coup with Boots Riley. We had all of these great groups. And so then I just sort of started easing into covering that scene. Mm. I was talking with Perry uh, Pebbles, who's also uh, from yes. the Bay Area, and yes, she, from she, Oakland. No, yes, from, from I'm Oakland. sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, from, you from Oakland. Yes, from Oakland. <laughs> yes. And you know, she she was making the same point, and to the point that she even wanted to do kind of a music reality show featuring just Bay Area artists because that's yes. that's how dope the scene is there even now like there's even not enough now. homage paid to it so i know you tell I mean me you truth. think about you think about her is from the barrier also um there's so many great ones people forget about um glad you brought up perry uh pebbles she you know she had do you want to ride in my mercedes boy and all those great records on uh, she just is yes yeah, an oakland girl through and through oh yeah yeah for for, for real though like for real, yes. for real. Like there's a yes. whole other. I know. So now <laughs> yes. I'm seeing. I'm seeing you differently now because y'all got a cut with you too. There's like a cut with the Oakland that you you don't want to mess with at all. You know, don't let the nice weather fool you. You want to know something about uh, who else I was inspired by though? You want me to tell you a little secret? Come on, tell me. There's this girl that I know who wrote this biography of LL Cool J. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. There is a girl that I know, and her name is Karen Hunter. Stop it. There's no way. There's no way that that book is. Let me tell you. I make my own rules. Do not mess with me, Karen Hunter. <laughs> I read that book early on. I was so impressed by the way you told LL's story. This is years ago. This is when you and I were not not quite kids in the game, but very young oh, in the were, game. Yeah, we were in our 20s for sure. Yes, for sure, for sure. yes. And that book, one, I love the title. I love the way. Him. That was him. That yes. was him. Like he had this yes. obscure song. I remember we had gone to Washington. Um, we were with the publisher, which was uh, St. Martin's Press. We met mm -hmm. Bill Clinton was being inaugurated or what have you. LL was performing. We met in this hotel and we met with the publisher and the editor and we're sitting there going over titles, like yes. stealing the deal. He performs for them. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I was sitting there going, that's such an, that doesn't, you know, like mama said, knock you out was out, you know, he, I mm -hmm. need love. I mean, it was so many other things that would have resonated, but that title was perfect. It was and, perfect. Yeah. It remains perfect. Yeah. I have the hardcover girl. It is sit seriously in my office on my shelf with all my treasured books. I love that book. That's why I'm saying it is so appropriate for me to be talking to you on publication day for me, because I just always remember she told his story so well. And also, you, you know, you mentioned my husband, Elliot, you know, Elliot says, 
do not forget to tell Karen how much you love that book when you get on her show. Uh, so Elliot Wilson, we are. icon, and the Wonder Twins, y'all, y'all, y'all together is like what? How did that happen? Like two oh, we, powerful we people in music, y'all together, we like together. Can, uh, come we, on now. We I do told not you, know what happened. We well, don't know. I, I told you, you give me hope for black love because the way y'all move in the world, it just, it brings me joy. So I just oh, want to tell him, I said, hello, give him a hug and a kiss. I shall, I shall. Now you sitting down doing this book, uh, mm-hmm. shine bright. First yes. of all, tell me the, the, why the title? Oh, shine bright speaks very specifically to two different songs, but also just, I feel like it's, it's a personal mantra for me to remind myself uh, to shine bright, but then it also it's a command, I feel, um, that I want to uh, send out as an inspiration for, for, for Black women to shine bright all the time. Because the two songs that I that I have in mind, when, when I, you were just talking about the title that you gave to the LL Cool J memoir, it's like, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. That song is sung by everybody. It's sung by so many black women. It's sung by so many little black girls, a lot of times as their first solo as a part of the children's choir. And you know, it's very like this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Every little where I go, I'm gonna let it shine. So I love that part of it. Then we can spin it forward decades and decades and decades. And we have Rihanna saying shine bright like a diamond. And it's just like, are we still out here saying that we need to shine bright? We are, but it's time that, you know, it's lovely to hear it and to have all these inspirational songs, you know, over the decades about shining bright. But I think it is time that we really just do do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. What did Master P used to say? We could, st- we, you know, if, you, if we don't talk about it, right. Let's be about, be about it. it. Right? right. Yes. All right. So as people are reading this book, and they're learning mm-hmm. about you because this is very personal. It's a very personal journey that you're on. What mm-hmm. is that you want them to walk away with knowing about Daniel Smith? I mean, it's a good merge of my personal story and the biographies of different women over the years, you know, from Ella Fitzgerald on up and through like Beyonce's performance at Coachella. Um, but I am in there and it was time for me definitely to claim my story in, in the story of Black women in music, just me having been editor-in-chief of Vibe and editor of Billboard and, and, and the things that I've done uh, to contribute. But I often find when I do speak that there are assumptions made about me. And one of the main ones is that my life kind of functioned as a straight arrow from like oh my God, she was really good in high school and she went to a really good college and she went to a really good graduate school. Then she joined NABJ and then she, you know what I'm saying? She just became editor-in-chief of Vibe and it all just happened. And girl, she just, no, okay, no. Like, like absolutely not. Let's just, what does Justin Bieber say? Immediately, no. Like, no, it did no. not go down like well, that. I, I'm, I'm I did throw, not have- I'm gonna throw a foul. You just quoted Justin Bieber on my show. I'm gonna have to I'm call sorry. a foul on that. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. Foul taken. I'm benched, but I'm right back in. Right, I'm right go. back tap in. in. Right, in. just sat down real quick. Right back in. You, you put me back in the game. So can I just say though, it's like I didn't have a bachelor's degree until I was 37. I did not. I had to drop out of UC Berkeley when I was about 19 or 20. For the reasons that we all drop out, if we did drop out, money, stress, didn't feel I belonged there, those types of things. Um 
my sister and I were roommates probably until I got married. And everyone also tends to think that I've been married to Elliot for not almost 17 years, but for maybe what? 30 years. 30 or years something. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot is Elliot is my second husband. Oh. I had one. Yo, yeah. I had one of, I had a marriage with, with, you know, a decent guy. He's not my guy. You know what I mean? But I had to get through that and it was very tough. Um, and then I, something I talk about also in, in Shine Bright is just my childhood was very tumultuous. It was not the type of childhood where you would think, you know, I was out there all the time singing um, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. I definitely had the kind of childhood where my little light was, you know, definitely being extinguished by abusive adults. So we get past these things, though, don't we? And the thing is, I want people to know, and especially other Black women to know that because you see someone and it looks like, oh, you know, they've accomplished a lot or they've done things in their career. It's like, yeah, but there's always a story. There's always a story. There's always a story. The great Danielle Smith is here. Her new book, Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women and Pop, comes out today. Go get it. We tweeted out a link. Where does Lauren Hill fit in your top 10? Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. I talk about uh, Lauren Hill a lot on my podcast, Black Girl Songbook, and I am a true believer that she really recorded one of the best diss songs, if not the best diss song of all time. It's funny how money changed the situation. That was a diss song? Wait, come on. That was a diss? Who was she dissing? Wyclef. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Give me the lyrics. Give me the lyrics. It's funny how money changed the situation. Miscommunication leads to complication. Come on. Dun, dun, don't, don't, yeah, don't beat, fit your yeah. equation. What, when she says you might win some, but you just lost one, it's almost like there's no move that can be made if you're the other person. It's like, even if you do have another person, it's like, but you lost me though. So where really are you? And when she has all that about just, like um, there's just like he doesn't believe in shame anymore or, or how he's on every station. She's on the humble. He on every station. All of that stuff. Like you really have to go back through the lyrics. But take my word, if you take it pound for pound, the only other song that comes close as a diss record to me is Tupac's Hit Him Up, which I obviously has so much tragedy attached to. It is very difficult for me to celebrate mm. it. Right. But but um, Lost Ones to me, man, Lauren Hill I think about her often you were you were talking about what the new girls are like and stuff like that and people say well has it changed Danielle you know is it different now for women in rap you know you have Lizzo you have Cardi you have you know Doja you have all these great you know women rapping right now and I say no it has changed I love the visibility I love the creativity and the new lyrics there's I'm I'm really like maybe not president but definitely like vice president and treasurer of Cardi B's fan club like there's are no you? doubt <gasps> oh, I love are they oh, though I'm, uh, I love I Cardi I love no uh. I do I do, I do. Are but they the though? Is, Daniel. Bro, how can how can you not like Bodak Yellow? Like it, Bodak Yellow is one of the most auspicious debuts in the history of pop. It you is. cannot oh, argue. No doubt. But how much of it is studio made? When I think Megan Thee Stallion has a new hit uh, hit out, but it's Little Kim in car. It's like it sounds just like Little Kim. You're like the those rappers of that time innovated. Everybody now is imitating. Maybe not Cardi. Maybe not okay, Liz. I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, I can, no, I can hear your point, but I think my thing is 
it's not that some of the older generation, our generation and the generations before us didn't have to do every generation maybe gets to do a little bit less of a certain type of work because you have people to look to, you can be Mm. inspired. You know, Aaliyah could look to God bless the dead. Aaliyah could look to Janet Jackson. Sierra could look to Janet Jackson, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that that takes away from who they are. I don't think the fact that there's a Missy Elliott takes away from the fact that there's a Cardi B or because there's a little Kim that takes away from what Cardi's trying to do. Because the thing is this generation has to deal with the things they have to deal with that we didn't, we didn't have to deal with social media. I really cannot imagine what it's like to try to create a career and become who um, who you're going to be as an artist or any type of creative or really any type of person at all in this era with social media dominating the way that it does. Diana Ross didn't have to deal with that. Jenna Jackson didn't have to deal with that. Sade didn't have to deal with that. So they have their crosses to bear as we had ours. Okay, that's just you, the way. You, yeah, you are making. I I I was uh, often say thank God there was no social media when I was <laughs> child. <laughs> <laughs> what can you imagine but we would have had to adjust i feel like we would have evolved and adjusted would we, we though we Probably were out not. there in those streets and i'm not <laughs> trying to it, blow up your spot but we were out there it. in those streets <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we probably, I probably, I definitely Everybody know. always thinks the canceled. big sisters were not outside. We were outside, we were outside. in the 90s. In oh the my 90s. God. Yes, I would have been canceled at least 12 <laughs> times. At least 12 times. But I'd have come back, though. I feel like I'm resilient. All right. I asked you also about Phyllis Wheatley because she shows up a few times. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lithograph, and then there's a picture of her. Um, mm-hmm. She's not a pop artist. <laughs> was she is there something about Phyllis Wheatley we need to know okay well the thing is, one it is a very personal history of black women in pop she means a lot to me I do think she means a lot to American culture though and she doesn't get a lot of the credit that she deserves she was a poet she was in pre-revolutionary times she was kidnapped and brought over from Africa we know not like exactly from where when you look it up it's like Gambia it's like Senegal but you don't know but there are very clear records of her coming over on the slave ship she was named after actually the slave ship that she came over on. It was called the Phyllis. So, um, you know, she was adopted by a white family because a daughter of theirs um, had passed away who was about Phyllis the same age when she came over from Africa. And she became a poet. They taught her. She did quote unquote light work, you know, it was still slavery, light work or not. But her every poem is not perfect. Her every poem is not a poem that I would write or that I would necessarily amplify, but so many of them are. Also, we talk about self-invention. I mean, she, there was nobody. There was literally nobody. There wasn't even a proper United States of America at the time when she was growing up in Boston. Um, And the thing that makes me consider her a pop star is because she often performed her poems. She sang them out. And when she was in her late teens, early 20s, she actually took a ship back over to Europe. And she performed her poems and was able to move around London and stuff with some types of freedom. And so many Black women artists over the centuries and over the decades had to do the same thing. Donna Summer, also from Boston, had to go to Germany to become who she became. So many jazz artists like Ella Fitzgerald on down had to go over to Europe. James Baldwin, even these types of people had to go other places outside of the United States of America and away from segregation to become who they were going to become. So that's why I put her in the category of being really our first pop star, because she was out here doing it when we were barely 13 colonies over here. 
So Mm -hmm. no, she did not get everything right. You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that she was writing poems slash songs. She was performing them slash singing them. She traveled globally to share her art. And then unfortunately, like so many of our black women pop stars, she died very young and by herself. Mm. Danielle Smith is here. Yes, she is here. Um, as I, as yesterday, I had this uh, conversation with with the people, with my people, mm-hmm. about this country music, uh, this person. I'm putting up air quotes around person, asking okay. why why are black people at the CMAs? Like, you have your lane, stay in your lane. You got you got mm. you got hip hop and basketball. Why are you here? And I had Ooh. to school them. I had to go all the way back. I had to go all the way back. I had to go all the way back to the banjo, to the guitar, to to Big Mama Thornton. I had to go all the way back to, to yes. teach that there's no country, there's no music. But it, it, it highlights how, you know, commercialism and how money has changed situations in terms of categories of music. Like, why are there even categories of music, you know? Why is there pop and R&B? Why is there gospel and contemporary Christian, you know? Why oh, is yeah. there country music and blues, you know, is in a whole, you know, like... They, but we know that they do that for money, right? So, or to to yes. to keep it away from their kids when seventy percent of this hip hop is purchased by their kids. So, how do you how do you feel about the, the commodity? You know how they separate these these genres out. Um, you were at Billboard. There's yes. the top one hundred. There's the top this yes. top that. How do you feel Listen. about it? Oh, I feel like music has just always been a segregated space because it's just so powerful just like transportation is segregated, just like schools are segregated, just like all these types of things that have all this power attached to them. Then back in the days, of course, they had to be segregated. Music was a space where, especially when we got to rock and roll, right? Um, Where the black kids and the white kids were dancing together. You know, for some that could be like, ooh, look at this, it's a cute party. Look at all the kids, the white kids, the black kids, they're dancing with each other, it's 19. 61 that's cute Motown is on little Frank Sinatra's cute for others it's like never this never break it up send the police in black people can sit upstairs in the nosebleeds if at all oh no the charts no 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 they can't even be on the charts together the charts are a made up thing the charts are a made up thing can't even be on the charts together so you have to have like the regular white people's charts which they call the pop charts and then you have to have what used to be called the race charts that's what the r&b charts used to be called the race charts and that's properly out in the streets they were called the n-word charts that's what a black music was the black people could only play on the chitlin circuit they couldn't play at the big, you know, arenas and the beautiful ballrooms and things like that, that white artists were allowed to play in. And this whole idea, too, of like staying in lanes is comedy central to me. Honestly, it's jokes because I just feel like this shouting at black people to stay in your own lane is super funny when white artists have been in the black lane since the dawn of black music being recorded. So I'm like, if, if it, are, are we in the lane staying day? Yeah, but then, then it's all then, of our then lanes. Then back at you. Yeah, right. then, then back at you. 
I mean, I've, there's a part in Shine Bright where I'm where I quote Suzanne DePass, the great Motown executive film producer, Suzanne DePass, who really helped build Motown with Barry Gordy. And they Motown um, produced a miniseries back in the ugh, late 70s, I believe, called The Lonesome Dub. And it was just basically right. all white people. Right. In a, yes. In a, in a Western. Right. All these great white television stars. It won all types of awards. And when she was interviewed by the Los Angeles Times, I wish I had it in front of me so that I could quote her exactly. But they pretty much asked her a version of why are you in the white lane like your Motown? And she said, I find it funny that nobody asked the the white people that produce the Cosby show or asked why they're in that lane. Or the people that produce all the 48 Hours movies and the Trading Places movies and all those movies with Eddie Murphy, why they aren't asked why they're in that lane? Why, why am I being asked why I'm doing what I'm doing? And so to whomever that person was, it's like, you let me know if this is lane staying in day because then quite a lot of changes have to be made. <laughs> I love it. Did you intentionally make the subtitle a very personal history of black women in pop? to reclaim pop did you yes. reclaim pop thank you okay just, I was just yes checking. I was just i'm checking. happy that you asked pop really only got a bad word in this country when black people started excelling in it so loudly and clearly it wasn't a bad word in the 60s it was not but as soon as lionel richie diana ross michael jackson mariah carey whitney houston started selling millions on millions on millions on millions of records breaking all the records of say like the Beatles and Elvis and all that from previous generations records that people thought would last just until the end of time. Then all of a sudden it's like, pop is awful. (laughs) Oh my God. Pop is so soulless. It's not real. Donna summer. You are not real. Disco is not an art form. Hip hop. You are not an art form. It's like, it was all good and sweet when pop was just totally identified with being a white art form. So it's like, stop, I'm claiming it. Black women in pop, black people in pop, period. With a T as the kids in the word. Yes, or period poo if you are Patty mm-hmm. LaBelle. <laughs> Smith. Uh, Shine Bright is the book. Um, tell us somebody that's in the book that we wouldn't know. Oh, it just depends on your age, I think. I mean, some people don't know who Phyllis Wheatley is. Some people don't know necessarily who let's say Millie Small is who's one of the one of the um, most important women at the beginning of the Sky and reggae scene it started you know um, even before the Marleys were involved so there's that there's a whole big part about that some people don't really know who Ella Fitzgerald is or what her accomplishments were or more importantly what I like to focus on is the details of her life of her making art one of the things that was important to me uh, or Peaches from Peaches and Herb, Marilyn McCoo uh, from the Fifth Dimension, um, all types of people like that. But I don't like to just focus on like, oh, these are their accomplishments. Um, I was very intentional about not writing about black women in pop with, you know, just in terms of them being a first or I didn't want to write about them as a group and write about them like in summary. I wanted to pick people. It was very difficult to pick people. I chose people that mean so much to me, that mean so much to my mother and her sister, that mean so much to my sister, to my grandmother and her sisters. And I wanted to go deep instead of wide. I want to know the details of their lives, not just they sold five, you know, 100,000 records, but really like, what was the wig, girl? Like, what wig and why did you choose that wig? Why were you guys always in sequins? Who made the sequin decision? Did you guys really do the vocal arrangement on that record? Because it's credited to someone else 
but I feel like you guys did that vocal arrangement. That's the kind of thing that I like to talk about in Shine Bright. Mm. You write your ass off. Uh, who's on oh. your Mount Rushmore Who, of, of women? Ooh. Ooh. You know, this question. Yeah. I know. Everybody I... love a good Mount Rushmore. Yeah, we do. Oh. We do. I mean, it's personal. There's no, no debate. This is your Mount Rushmore. Whitney Houston. Okay. I, I, I'll allow that. Let me write it down. I agree with that. She's the, would you agree that she is the voice of all time? She's the voice of the 20th century. There's no doubt about that. And it, it could go head to head uh, with she and Aretha, but maybe it's generational. Mm-hmm. But um, I have Whitney, but then I also have Aretha. Um, I have Ella Fitzgerald and I have Beyonce. So there we go. You got yeah, Beyonce. Was- Vo- you got Beyonce on your Mount Rushmore. I'm sorry. Look. Okay. Wow. So what show is this? <laughs> is this the Karen Hunter show? I'm sorry. You know what? As I'm saying that, I'm oh, about wait, to put. You are the lady. You are the lady that wrote. I make my own rules. <laughs> yes. I'm. I'm just vocally because I'm. I'm a vocal purist. Like who mm. am I? Right. <laughs> like oh, she couldn't be on the Mount Rushmore with Aretha, Whitney, and Ella. No way. Really? No way. What? Vo- vocally. Okay, I don't know. I literally have seen Beyonce live 4 billion times. I have listened to her <laughs> okay. records 8 trillion times. And I'm looking for the flaws, girl. I'm looking oh. for the flaws. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm a, I mean, it's your Mount Rushmore, so I'm going to mind my business. <laughs> okay, she wait a minute. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. Here we go. No, 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 no. What's your Mount Rushmore, Karen Hunter? Let me, let me turn right. the tables real I'm, quick. I'm, all right. Well, I'm definitely doing Whitney. I'm definitely okay. doing Aretha. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I love Anita Baker because of the mm. differentness, the differentness and just, ooh, seeing her. That's a good one. And she's musically sound. Like, we'll know a if a win. note is off. And it's like, I like a, a gatherer. <laughs> Somebody's going to gather somebody up. Yes. Definitely. And I waver with Patty because in her 70s, she still can sing. And that's yes. Patty and Shaka, like, Two voices that still stand the test no, of time. Real. And you hear the first notes and you're like, that's them. Yes. There's nobody else. And I think that, you know, I'm looking for on my mouth yes. much more. No one can touch. So that that would be that's mine. a good that's that is a good one though. That Anita Baker was a super strong choice. And when I think about when she was still with that group uh chapter eight and they had that song, I just I don't even Girl, like, come on. Come on I know, to I, know go. I gotta get I'm my gonna need you go. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right to, now. Yeah, I thought I was speaking to Karen Hunter. I'm I did. Sorry. They told me it was Karen Hunter on the phone. <laughs> Girl, okay, when you go to your favorite DSP, go to chapter eight. It's called Chapter Eight. It's a group out of Detroit. It was the group that Anita Baker was with before she went solo. And so there's she, a song so on there the, called the I Just Wanna Be Your Girl. I just, okay. I know. And I let me tell you when that song. It, that's the song. You know how you could hear a song like in the last of the Commodore's years where you just say to yourself, why is Lionel Richie Lionel even not- acting like he's still in the yes, group? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like he's not even still in the group at this point. He's just what? And that's how it is with I Just Want to Be Your Girl. It's like that's the record that you hear and you say, there's no way she could stay a part of this. She's 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 out of here. You know, like what I'm Luther like, and Change. They did that like one Luther song Change. in the glow yes. of love, and it was like yes. that was a wrap. Luther, yeah, <laughs> Luther was like, I look, grand opening, grand closing, yes. right? <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Do in your private moments, Danielle Smith, do mm-hmm. you sing? Oh, you know, I, I don't have to be private at okay. all. Okay, so I don't have the, to be private, girl. What? Don't. <laughs> okay. And then what's so funny is I'm the worst. That's what's so terrible. <laughs> 
I always feel like it's the people that can't sing at all that sing real loud. Like that's that's me. I was always in the alto section in choirs, and I feel like the choir director would be like, "It's not that you shouldn't be in the alto section; it's that you shouldn't be in the choir." Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's your go-to karaoke song that you belt out with all your heart? It never changes. It never changes. It's always Gloria Gaynor, I will survive. As long as I know how to live. Oh what? Come on, I got Nord. all my life to live. I got all my love to give. I will survive. What? The way she tells that story about she should have changed the stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. What? <laughs> oh, no. That's one of the greatest songs in the history of not disco, not black music. It's in the history of recorded music. It's one of the greatest records ever. Period. Period. And the reason that we all still know it is because, and they say, oh, it's a one hit wonder. It's not a one hit wonder. She didn't have to do anything else. Come on. Come on, drop the mic. After you do that, like what? After you record that record? Oh, and we talk about that record in Shine Bright. And we talk about how Peaches from Peaches and Herb, Linda Green, was mad because that song went to Gloria Gaynor over her. What? Yes. What? That was supposed to be her song? That's Listen, like Deborah why, Cox, that song. How do we that was supposed to be Patty's song? Sometimes cool you just don't get me on, on nobody's supposed to be here. No, that's my song. Deborah Cox is my favorite. Oh my and Deborah Cox has so many beautiful records, but Deborah Cox really would never have had to do another song other than that either. Deborah Cox is a mu- musical genius. Yes, she is. She's the, and, she played Whitney on stage in the bodyguard on Broadway. And, let's and, go. And let's talk about what a nice person she is. Oh, she's that to me, even all of that. Doesn't all it? of that a sweetheart like a sweetheart like in her soul wife mother the whole nine yards represents for the whole like canadian country just a great just got you know uh walked into the canadian music hall of fame she's 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 just an amazing girl well so are you uh oh. great woman yes i'm so proud of you daniel listen Y'all better get this book, Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop. And when your next book comes out, because I know you're always working on the next one. Hey, now. Yes, hey, now. Yeah. You know, you got an open seat at this table because uh, incredible. Karen, thank you for having me so much. You are appreciated. You are too. Daniel Smith, the 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 GOAT, y'all, the GOAT. Hey, hey now. Hey, yes. now. All right, y'all gonna have <laughs> a great right. week. Yes, you too. Tell Elliot I said hey, and we'll we'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me.